Christian Chinkin, Professor of International Law here at LSC. Yeah. There's this new Istanbul Convention concerning violence against women, Council of Europe thing, comes into force in August this year. So I guess it's a big deal. But what kind of difference do these agreements between nations make? Um, a lot of difference, I think. They give um, high profile to the issue. They set out for states precisely what it is that they should be doing um, with respect to prevention, prosecution, etc., of violence against women. Um, this particular convention as well, it covers a, a whole host of different types of violence against women. So it's got stalking, it's got sexual harassment, it's got physical violence, it's got psychological violence, it's got rape. It emphasises that all of these are not just things that happen. Right. They are connected, they're part of the structural discrimination against women that leads to such violence. Understood. And here you have a bunch of people who are specialists and they all agree with each other and so on and they represent the good guys within each of their states. But how do you drill that down? Does that actually mean police respond to telephone calls, prosecutions are taken, achievements on the ground are brought about? Or is it just talk? Ideally, it should be everything that you said. Now, yeah, the, um, the devil is in making the shift from state obligations down to the law enforcement agencies and all other bodies within the state. But if the state is taking it seriously, if they say, look, this is now policy, and you are going to answer to us for failing to do so, then perhaps there can be some difference. Does it affect the culture, do you think, when you have an international instrument? Because we see this data about countries where there's violence against women. There's recent stuff coming out of Europe, yeah. and it's frightening, if it's true. It's, Half the women in Europe are reporting Why would you doubt violence. that it's true? I mean, self-reporting. I'm wondering about the extent to which there might be credibility in the reporting mechanisms. I, that aside, there is obviously a huge problem. Is it, a, is it better tackled culturally than legally, or is it a bit of both? I would say one of the major reasons why people, women, would not report is because they think they will be disbelieved, yeah. they think that they um, will get laughed at, they think that the police won't um, investigate, um, they think they'll antagonise whoever the perpetrator is and possibly lead to an even more dangerous situation. All of those are cultural issues. So that for the law to work effectively, the, there has to be instigated a legal culture of taking all of these issues seriously and ensuring that they are in fact um, acted upon and that um, where there are convictions that there are appropriate sentences. So uh, the culture around stereotyping, women aren't to be relied on, they will be disbelieved, those sorts of issues, those have to be tackled at a media level, at an education level, but it has to be backed by a proper legal regime. If you tackle the culture and nothing happens, What's the point? Yeah. So I'd say that they're absolutely interlocked. Yeah. Now you're a specialist in gender in international law, but also you've been involved in Gaza. You reported on Gaza with Judge Goldstone. Has that had an impact on your professional career? Has that changed the way you look at international law? Have there been personal prices to pay with engaging in such an extraordinary situation? Um, certainly changed the way I teach. Um, I certainly have a great deal of practical and sort of hands-on experience. So to talk about you know, human rights, international law in general, the issue of intelligence, the issue of fact-finding is absolutely core. And having experienced a fact-finding mission and realised what the problems are in gaining what may be credible versions of the facts, realising that all you could ever say is these are the facts as we saw mm -hmm. them, that there are always going to be other issues that you're not aware of, all of that certainly had had a big impact 
Personal price, yeah. yeah. A great deal of personal abuse and personal um, accusations. But they are public type positions which have costs. What are you proudest of in your career, looking back professionally? Um, I think bring, being part of the movement, which was a both academic movement, an activist movement, a political movement, that brought women onto the international agenda. So when I first began, um, certainly as a student and then teaching international law, that you would mention women in an international law course would be, yeah, what on earth is that nonsense? Completely and utterly ridiculous. Now it's very much part of the international agenda, you know, women, peace and security in front of the Security Council, issues of sexual violence before the international criminal tribunals, um, analysis, feminist analysis to understand international law problems. I think that's quite, a, quite an achievement. Christian Schinken, thank you very much for subjecting yourself to the guilty grilling. <laughs>